2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald.
3: Right, welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two, our weekly visit with our buddy Tim Fitzgerald. GoPowerCat.com, at Life of on Twitter. We'll get into uh, some of the latest in this conference realignment. There's been a lot of movement there in the last week. We want to get Fitz's take on that. He's very dialed into it. But first, Fitz, last night, senior night, uh, there were stretches of that game, I thought, where K-State looked as good as as it's looked all year or maybe the best we've seen them look at least offensively all year. That was a heck of a way to end what's been a pretty remarkable home season for the cats.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really was, it was an amazing uh, stretch of offense there in the second half, they shot 70% from the field in the second half. And in fact, I uh, did look math last night, which, you know, researching stats is usually not my thing. Um, mm-hmm. But K-State started 2 of 10 from the field of the first like 7, 7 and a half minutes of the game. And after that, from that point on, so 20-plus minutes of or 30-plus minutes of basketball, they shot 60% from the field. So they were really efficient once uh, they got the, the ball to consistently go down. And uh, when they get into the open court and run that way, when their big men stretch the floor and get out front and run, this is a really fun team because they're, they're hard to defend, uh, because of their big men getting up and down and Desi Sills in open court situations is also a lot of fun to watch. It's kind of amazing. It was a senior night. Uh, the fans got to say farewell to six seniors. but you know, the top two being Marquise Noel and Gianni Johnson, who both had good games, but they, they weren't the stars of the game. I mean, that was Desi Sills and Naquan Tomlin have both had terrific games. So, when K-State plays at that level, guys, there's really no ceiling for this team. I mean, they, they can beat anyone, they can play with anyone, um, and they can advance to the tournament at that level. But sustaining that has been an issue. They played this way a little bit earlier in the season. You know, Certainly the Texas game, when they scored 116. They were in that kind of offensive mode. But uh, that, that hasn't been consistently what they've done for a while. And I think it's refreshing for Kansas State to, to see that they can do that for an extended period of time still. And uh, as they, you know, head into their final regular season game and into the postseason.
1: Yeah, so Desi Sills was just shy of a triple-double. 15 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, Uh, and and just what he brings to the table. uh, I I love watching him play, especially when things are are clicking for him. Uh, We know that Johnson and and Noel are going to get all the accolades and all the praise, but... Um, just watching, and you and I talked about Desi Sills before and what he can bring uh, to this squad and elevating them and, and having them potentially make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. But I would imagine even after a performance like he had last night, it becomes that much more important to have Desi Sills be the best version of himself in the tournament for the Wildcats.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, you, you, you nailed it. You know, this is a guy that started off in Arkansas and apparently wasn't good enough for the Razorbacks ended up at Arkansas state. He said he went home for family purposes, but you know, in reality, um, you know, he was told to go find someplace else. Uh, I'm so amazed that some of these guys that, you know, we thought were uh, good roster pieces uh, have turned into really great basketball players. Cam Carter included. He didn't even play at Mississippi state. They fired their coach um, and then comes in and starts at a team that, that is playing at this kind of level. But, Desi really is the X factor for me, and Naquan too, because um, that gives him points out in the paint and uh, you know around the basket with dunking and attacking the rim. But Desi just seems to have this X factor to him when he gets going and makes those rim runs. When he just he, honestly, he looks completely out of control uh, until the moment he he actually releases the ball and it's perfectly in control. Um, he, he seems to you know kind of feed the energy level of the entire team when he does it.
3: Fitz, I'm going to ask you a simple question that we're beginning to ponder because it's time to ponder it. K-State's probably going to be a two-seed in the NCAA tournament, at worst a three. Is K-State good enough to win a national championship?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, they've certainly got a level where they could do that. Um, you know, the ability to sustain that, as I mentioned earlier, is the question. Um, and, and having put that together over, you know, three weekends in March and April are, is a you know a mountain to climb, but you've got a head coach who's been part of that. You've got a head coach who's been part of a program that would get into the NCAA and, and typically leave fairly early and then they it did something. Maybe it was just better players, but they did something to change that. And now Baylor is a program that's won a national title and made deep runs. Um so maybe there's something along there where Coach Jerome Tang has learned something about how to manage a team in March, um and get them ready to make this kind of run. But yeah, they, they, they've got the keys, guys. You know, to, to be good in March in the NCAA tournament, you got to have great guard play, and they've got that. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you also have to be um, have some form of consistency, and that's probably the hang-up with them. Is, uh, we've seen them be a little bit better here in the last four games, but they won't be at home. They're done with being at home, and that's when they've been their best uh, as of late. So uh, they're going to have to you know, crank it up and, you, know, you win at West Virginia, you're the number two seed in the Big 12 tournament, which is a remarkable feat in itself for a program of respect dead left.
1: Let's go the other direction. Uh, I don't want to be uh, negative Nancy, but we, we talked about how good they are and, and if they have the, the caliber to win a national championship. So we know kind of where that ceiling is. What's the floor? So when we get into the NCAA tournament, what are some things that you would be looking out for from this team when uh, it if they, if they don't get it done, like, would it be Johnson and Noel getting into foul trouble and nobody else really being able to step up and and help them? Or what do you see as, you know, some potential Achilles heels that they're going to need to avoid when they get into tournament time?
0: Yeah. Fouls certainly. And luckily in March, typically they they call loser games, which I think is advantageous to Kansas state. Um, and you know, they only have eight players right now that are in the rotation. Um, and you know, Nate Aubrey, the walk-on can come in, but, you know, they've shut down their their freshmen, and, and you know, they're, they're just not very deep, and that could get them into trouble. Also, if you run into a team that has a a big front line, an athletic big front line, which is hard to do with college basketball, but if you find that, that mix, uh, they just don't match up well. They don't have a big banger of a, a post-presence. I mean, none of their guys are really true post-presence. Uh, Type guys to defending the post. have gotten better at that, and they rely on their speed in the post to get around other guys. But that could be a problem for them, uh, and and also turnovers. I mean, turnovers of their Achilles' heel. That that's really what you know took them down for a while, because they could never get any rhythm because they were turning the ball over at such a high rate. They had I believe twelve um, last night, which is kind of my upper limit for them. Um, you know, if you get into those low teens. Uh, they're they're getting into trouble. If They keep it in single digits. Uh, this is a really good basketball team, so they've got to stay away from turnovers and wasting possessions, giving the ball back to opponents. <clears throat> you know, just really getting themselves in a deficit of abilities to score because they keep giving the ball away. Uh, and you know, so many of their turnovers are just self-inflicted you know, dribbling issues, passing issues, things that can, can be cleaned up.
3: Can you put into perspective? how quickly the impact of this program the turnaround um, we saw the graphic the big 12 put out and we'll get into the conference realignment stuff soon but that you know people are going to big 12 games K State probably a big reason why that percentage is so high because they've you know attached themselves to this program so quickly I, I think with with the transfer portal we feared that that wouldn't happen that fans wouldn't know these players that, you know, there it would be harder to attach to. I think K State's the shining example of why that's just not true, man. Uh, you get them in there, they're good. People get attached to them, and and here you go. I mean, as they're chanting and doing the Wabash cannonball in the in the crowd with the fans, I just I don't know that that's that much of a concern anymore.
0: Well, particularly in Kansas State. The shout out to the social media team in K State Athletics. They've humanized everyone involved here and, you know, let fans get to know them. And it starts with Jerome Tang. You know, he's done 10 episodes or so of their Hang with Tang where he takes a Purple Couch out on campus and sits down with students and, and talks to them. And they're wildly entertaining if you haven't seen them on social media. Uh, and, and that's happened with all the players. I mean, they do so much stuff behind the scenes, video in the locker rooms, <clears throat> and you really get to learn the personalities of these guys. Um, there's a real... A bond right now between the student body and and its basketball program, and that's all because of Jerome Tang. Um, so it's it's possible to go out there and do it, and it's possible to go out there and recruit at a level now that you can flip your script so radically. I mean, the three worst years um, in the history of Kansas State basketball, and they're followed by a, a team that could be a two seed, as you mentioned at the top of the segment, uh, in the NCAA tournament. And, and that's incredible. I mean, that's the ability to rebuild with 11 new players and, and get the mix right is a masterful job by this coaching staff to get all the right pieces. And as Jerome Tang has said, you know, there's, there's a weirdness about the fact that they regretted not getting certain players um, because of ability, and now they look back and think, there was all a plan here. They were blessed not to get those guys because they ended up with the right guys, and it's hard to argue that they, they didn't end up with the right guys because this group is really tight.
1: For a team, fits that was picked 10th <clears throat> in the Big 12, they've got a, a, a scenario. They've got a chance here after Saturday's game to be outright second place in the Big 12. Of course, they play West Virginia on the road, going to Morgantown and Bob Huggins. Um, as far as where this team of course that you know there's going to be a Baylor plays and Texas plays everybody plays so we'll see how it all you know falls into line after Saturday but for them to have an opportunity to finish second in the Big 12 after being picked 10th I mean what does that say to you what does that say as far as the way that you know of course forecasts are made and expectations and preseason rankings and all of that stuff
0: well uh, you know I, I it, it's funny how things work out. Again, I just mentioned the, the basketball staff missing out on some players, ending up with the right guys. Look, I, I'm good friends with Brad Underwood, and I think it's clear that K State fans wanted Brad Underwood to be the coach. And when that didn't work, um, you, you got the right guy. That you know, Jerome Tang is clearly the right guy, um, and it, it's just been a remarkable job of, of of him building a program. But he didn't come at it like, oh, I got to. I got a head coaching job now. Let's think about this. He's had this plan. He's known who he's wanted on his staff. He didn't hesitate to hire the guys he hired. There was really no extensive interview process in this. Um, you know, I did a, a daily delivery that goes up today is about Rodney Perry, who he calls his offensive coordinator. Keep in mind, here's a guy that was contractually obligated to finish out being an AAU coach as Mo'cann Elite um, and couldn't come until the late summer and. Um, he's, you know, really kind of rejuvenated the offensive facility of this program. It's just been absolutely amazing to watch this process. Uh, Jerome Chang's a, a special guy. Yeah, he inspires everyone around him and demands that they be better in a very kind way, uh, sometimes not kind, apparently, at practice, but uh, he gets the job done. So it's he's improved uh, he's the entire university, uh, and I don't say that lightly because I think the only one that – I can say that about, as a coach, is is Bill Snyder. All right,
3: Fitz, let's talk about Tim Fitzgerald here, gopowercat.com. Tim is very uh, locked in and and loves to stir it up a little bit on this conference realignment. We do, too. Um, The Pac-12 missed an opportunity. The Pac-12 is behind the eight ball. They can say whatever they want. We all know it to be true. They're ripe for poaching. We'll see how that plays out. But now we see... Earlier than expected, and this probably shouldn't surprise us, the beginnings of what will be the collapse of what currently stands as the ACC. Um, We're learning that the buyouts for Clemson and Florida State aren't nearly high enough to prevent them with, what, 10, 13 years left on their deal to go make a whole bunch more money. They're going to go soon, and— is the Big Twelve? Do you think in a position to remain ultra aggressive and and start to look that direction and not just west at potentially expanding?
0: Uh, I think that's been Brett your Mark's plan all along. I think Phase One was to get the fourth time slot uh, by bringing in more West teams. Uh, what the ramifications of what's going on with the ACC might create is, uh, you know, for now he might only invite a couple teams and, and stop and uh, you know assess what's going on. You might, you know, they need at least three teams out west. Um, They need four teams to get to 16, I say, teams, schools to get to 16 football schools. Um, Maybe that all comes to the Pac-12. Guys, the the Pac-12 is literally kicking the can down the road. They cannot find a media deal that even comes close to matching what the Big 12 is getting. And and they thought they, they were worth significantly more than the Big 12. Uh, so there's been a complete misunderstanding on their part, created by their own arrogance, of what the marketplace will actually bear. So they passed up a contract offer from ESPN earlier in the process that, as it turns out, has remained their best offer to date that we know about. Um, they're talking about doing a lot of streaming, which, you know, maybe is the future, but it isn't now. And that would be horrible for the exposure of these Pac-12 institutions to be on a streaming platform exclusively and not not able, you know, for your average you know person to go – channel surfing and find them, whether it's on cable or or YouTube TV or something like that. So uh, they're in a dire situation. I I truly have come to believe their commissioner is hiring people or leaking information to gaslight his own fan base and constituents uh, to to try to keep his job and and keep this thing perpetuated and wait for the miracle. Kind of like a coach calling timeout with 10 seconds left and he's down by 10 points. I mean, there's just There's no purpose here other than to delay the inevitable. And once it happens, we'll see some schools begin to apply for membership. But the ACC is a wild factor. I think he's always wanted to go west. He's got this thing about adding basketball because he feels like the next contract negotiation, he can get a lot more money for basketball based on the quality of the product. Uh, And if you bring in a Gonzaga and a Villanova and some other schools that are basketball only, uh, I think he might want to parse out the football contract separately from basketball and everything else, which I think is the big 12 has been given a discount on basketball. I mean, they've got Kansas, they've got you know, Baylor, they've got great programs. It's the best basketball conference. And Brett Yormark recognizes the value. And then his next phase was always to go east. And I, I think in his big vision, he, he wants a coast-to-coast conference, 20 football, 24 basketball, um, and you know regional play in some of these minor sports, but separate contracts. Um, You know, it it might be bigger than what any of us would prefer, but also um, it it could really rival what some of these other conferences are doing right now in terms of, you know, their their quality and magnitude. He's finding a a niche here that can make the Big 12 different from the Big 10 and SEC, and it's been brilliant leadership to take.
1: I want to ask you about college football, the NFL Combine going on this week. Four Wildcats invited to the Combine, Felix and Nduke Uzama, Deuce Vaughn, Julius Brintz, and Malik Knowles. What do we know about those four guys? How's the Combine going for all of them and, and any updates on that?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, for, for all of us, we kind of know what Felix and Deuce are about. Um, and, and they're guys that have uh, maybe what would be perceived as NFL physical limitations, obviously with Deuce being his size. Um, you know, and he's not quite as powerful as the Darren Sproles, uh, but I think the right, right fit is out there. And honestly, I think you know the Chiefs would be able to make, uh, you know, do a lot with the Deuce Vaughn with his abilities and the creative play calling. Um, the other guy's Malik Knowles. I'm intrigued. Um, I was a little surprised he got an invite. I hope he does well. He certainly got the speed, but um, you know, for a variety of reasons, not all of his own doing. Uh, His numbers weren't great coming out of college, but I'm impressed that he got a bite. Lewis Briggs is going to be the highest guy picked, probably. Uh, Nobody's done more, maybe, in the entire NFL draft to help themselves in the process of going through camps and senior bowls and those type of things and and showing the scouts that he's a great cover guy at 6'3". And we talk about the first two guys maybe not fitting the physical landmarks of an NFL player. Julius Sprints at six three with a, a wingspan of a seven footer uh, is is exactly what you want in corner because he can run he can cover he's he learned he taught himself how to be a much more physical player guys this guy's into the second round but uh, he might be someone that sneaks into the first round if he you know just takes one franchise to love you uh, that's how I got married it just took one guys it just it just took one everyone else knew about me but <laughs> Becky fell for it. But it's the same way in the draft. It just takes one franchise to, to figure it out. Um, Julius Burns has blown up, and he's a great kid. It'll be fun to see where he goes.
3: Uh, all right, Fitz. So, uh, by the way, I, I don't know if this was today. I just saw it. Felix's measurements were off the charts. Do you think he's going to go into the first round? I, I don't know where he's projected. Uh,
0: I don't. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, his... I don't want to say lack of physicality, but maybe lack of physicality is defined by the NFL. Uh, Might might come up and get him a little bit, Um, but uh, I think he'll interview extremely well. I mean, he 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 presents himself in a very professional manner and handles questions very well. So uh, he has me baffled a little bit. You know, when you put him up next to a guy like Will Anderson from Alabama, who plays a little bit different position, but uh, in some ways, the same position as a, a disruptor. It's a rush, pass rush uh, element. Um, he doesn't measure up to a guy like that, but of course, that's the top two pick, maybe. But um, I'm, I think someone's going to get great players with all four of these these case staters They just have to be in the right situation.
3: Fitz, we appreciate it as always. What's up at Go Power Cat right now that people can check out?
0: Well, we're going to get ready here at uh, the top of the hour to um, record the Powercat podcast because we had a Wednesday game this week, which is a little odd, Um, and the guys will be heading out to West Virginia to cover that. Huge game for K-State basketball. Win and you're the second seed in Kansas City. Um, You get into that nice football, and and, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where they can place themselves. But uh, I'm excited, you know, to get King City to this team in postseason and uh, where they can carry themselves and recover and follow and all that at Go Powercat right now. And the dogs are excited, so, as heck.
3: Yeah, they're excited. Clearly, we've kept you too long. Our time is up, as uh, your buddy there is letting you know. Uh, we only get you for so long before your attention's needed elsewhere. Fitz, we appreciate it.
0: Okay, boys. Good to talk
3: to you. We'll talk to Fitz again next week. We'll be right on, uh, right on the – on the eve of the big 12 tournament the next time we talk to fits all right we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about this shocker game tonight it's a big one It's the biggest one of the year uh which we continue to have the biggest ones of the year which is a good thing for the program i think but this a real challenge at least by vegas's standards we'll talk about it next on sports daily Welcome back, everybody. Uh, welcome into uh, the rest of the show here. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you take a uh, make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use toward dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM uh, Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and Nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Kansas only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as. non-withdrawable bonus bets bonus bets expire seven days from issuance please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with kansas crossing casino and hotel here we go everybody uh speaking of bet mgm we're going into the shockers here tommy and the conversation with wichita state right now at least i have it and i'm pretty sure it's on everybody's bet mgm account You can get a college basketball uh, booster token. And usually those are tied to parlays. Today it's tied to a straight bet. And so we already looked at this last night and this morning. So this came last night, and everybody's like 17 and a half. And and the Shockers' money line was like plus 1,400. Like just crazy odds when you consider how well Wichita State's playing on the road. Um, The over... Set at 133, uh, that's low, but and the Shockers have been hitting overs consistently. Now, again, the last time they didn't was their game against Houston. But since then, they've hit that over, I believe, in every game, which would be how many straight since they've played Houston? Six straight games, they've gone over that number. Now, a part of not going over last time was the fact that Houston was held to just 70 points and Wichita State just to 61. But we know how well the Shockers play on the road. And, you know, a part of that over for me, Tommy, is is what Houston's been doing offensively lately, which in their last games, they've scored 76-89, 72-80, 80-81, 70-75, 82 And a lot of the reason they stay under is because the opponents rarely score over like 65 points, almost never do. But the way Wichita State plays on the road, I kind of like the over. In fact, I I ended up taking my token and putting it on the over rather than Wichita State to cover, which I will also take Wichita State to cover tonight. But what are we thinking here? Because I guess I don't see the Shockers as that big of underdogs in this game. And maybe we're fooled on this. Houston is really stinking good but I don't see the Shockers as that big of an underdog.
1: Well, the way they're playing on the road, that leads me to believe that the the spread is is crazy. Like, I would take them to cover that big time. And I'm looking at not only the full game, but I'm looking at the first half spread as well. I'm seeing plus 10 and a half in the first half. Uh, and I think that Wichita State can keep it within 10 uh, at halftime. I really do. Uh, in fact, when they played in, in Wichita... The Shockers were, you know, they had the lead with, what, like 12 minutes to go in the entire game. So yeah. I like them to keep it within 10 in the first half. And and really, it was the second half where Houston kind of took over and then they were able to pull away and get the victory well, it's uh, inside the
3: roundhouse. That's been at Wichita State's M.O. in every game they play, right? They right. They play great yeah. out of the gate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. And the fact that they uh, have not played great, you know, in the second half and have kind of let things fall apart in, in previous games. I do like that first half spread at plus 10 and a half.
3: So it's interesting. And yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. The other reason 17 and a half is so appetizing is let's say Houston just comes out and starts to beat the brakes off Wichita state, right? Well, in that scenario, they've got to keep that pace and, and maintain that big a lead all the way through, and one thing we know about Wichita State is is this team in no way, you know, has given up or done anything. They play hard all the time. All these things. It just seems like a very like I would be so uneasy. Now I'll tell you that if, if I was on the Houston side, our our friends at QL, which you know provided me a four leg NBA win last night, Tommy, which was awesome. Um, they. They actually – they don't love either side of it, but they actually – I think they give it two stars for Houston to cover and two stars for the game to go under. So the opposite of what I'm thinking on this, but it's only two stars. So it's not like a, a high level of confidence at all. Um, I don't know what to make of this. I, I This is – look, I don't expect Wichita State to come go to Houston and win this game at all. Don't expect it – you know, if it happens, great. It'll be remarkable and, and you know, all these things, but – I don't expect it to happen, but I do expect them to play hard and play well because that's what they've been doing lately. And I think if both of those things happen, they can, you know, fit within that number. And that's what I want to see. Like, you're going into an environment with what might be the best team in the country, the top-ranked team in the country, a team you already gave, you know, a scare to and really the last scare that Houston has faced this season – they're gonna have their hair on fire. I assume, let me double check this, that this is Houston's senior night. Um, and they've got some great ones. Uh, but they will play uh yeah, they play, they finish up at Memphis, right? So, you know, it's uh it's a situation where Houston has everything to play for. They're gonna be motivated, they're gonna be all of these things. Wichita State, go go do something special. Make it a competitive game, like whatever you need to do to continue the momentum. Because what you don't want to happen is just to get crushed, right? And and oh, that's entirely possible because Houston's incredible. But I, I just don't I don't I, I find it hard to believe that Wichita State, who plays all its games close, good or bad, will will find that large a margin when they almost never do. Do you think that it is that wild?
1: to consider a scenario where Wichita state could win at no. Houston tonight
3: and in, in college basketball. No, I I mean, no, it's, it's look, it would be very unlikely, but is it going to be like the most surprising thing that's ever happened in the history of college basketball? No, it's not. I mean, it, it, they're certainly within the realm of possibility because they showed they can play Houston that well already once this year. Now the chances of doing that twice make it a little more difficult. Um, uh, but, but good or bad, Tommy, Wichita State just doesn't play to that sort of margin ever. 17 and a half, and I'm just trying to do a real quick look at this. So their largest margin either way is they, they beat Central Arkansas in the opener by 24 points. They beat Longwood by 18 points. Uh, then they beat Mississippi Valley State. Uh, what would that be by twenty-three points? Since then, basically, since the you know the the action has started after that point, every game they've played, one direction or the other, has been within seventeen and a half points. Within Win ten points. their right. their biggest loss
1: this season: ten points. It's, it's happened twice. Uh, they lost to East Carolina by ten. Uh, and then they lost, they had another 10, oh, Memphis by 10. That was the other 10-point loss. Their loss to Cincinnati was by nine. The lot, The other loss to Houston was by nine. Uh, so every single loss they've had this season has been within 10 points or less.
3: Yeah, I, 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 and, and th- there you go. So, that, I mean, it's it can be that simple too. Now, for Wichita State, what do they have to do um, and Austin points out that one of the books has the line now down to 16 and a half. So, and that's going to keep happening. Like, I don't, it's not getting in. So, you know what? So does BetMGM. MGM. MGM's actually moved it down now to 16 and a half. Um, I, I think for the Shockers tonight, honestly, I think it's going to have to be an offensive game for them, right? I, I don't think they can get into one of these games where Houston's able to just get into a slugfest defensively. Because they're too good for that. Like you can't on the road go in there and expect to win a defensive battle. Wichita State's gonna have to push it. They're gonna have to play a frantic pace. They're gonna try they're gonna have to try to turn Houston over, and probably they're gonna have to shoot a lot of free throws if they're gonna pull something like this off. So I would expect similar to what we saw the first time, a lot of like Jaquan Walton trying to create at the rim. Um, this is probably a pretty good spot for James Rojas to continue what he's been doing lately. I don't know that I would, you know, expect another great shooting performance from Jerome Pierre because I just don't think Houston's guards are going to let that happen. So I I would envision a shocker pace and style that you know is driving pretty hard to the rim, and if you can get that whistle and get to the line, that's going to be your shot. Now if they need to come out and shoot well and do all those things, that's that's probably asking a lot, but when you got guys like Craig Porter and Jaquan Walton, go for it. You just got to attack the rim.
1: What the the interesting thing I think for Wichita State is that we've seen at times early in the season they play elite level defense. Really haven't seen it quite as much recently, but they did earlier in the year. But where they've changed is that their offense has become a lot more effective over the last month or month and a half during conference play. What you're going to need tonight on the road against the number one team in America is the best combination of both of those things. You're going to need to revisit the elite level defense that you had early in the year, and you're going to be able to, you're going to have to be able to turn it up offensively. So both sides of the ball, and I think that it's fair to say that you've got to have the most perfect output that you're going to have all season long. And you know what? I don't think that that's too much to ask because out of 40 minutes of basketball the last two times that these two teams matched up Wichita State did that for about 30 about 30 minutes of that about 28 to 30 minutes they were able to do that the last time that these two teams played inside Charles Koch Arena so you're gonna have to duplicate that do it again on the road but extend it for an entire 40 minutes this time
3: yeah well I, I mean obviously and 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 that wasn't a game where you know, them blowing that lead was not akin to uh, Tulane the first time, right? No. Like that, was, no that, was that wasn't Houston. a collapse. That was Houston being Houston. And yeah. so, I, I, again, that makes the chances of this very, you know, uh, that's why the odds are so long for them to actually win the game is because you you have to have that perfect performance from whistle to whistle, and you have to have it come against a team that makes its living on not letting people do that right houston's bread and butter is its defense and they're going to make it really difficult but i think their offense this is why i like the over because i think houston's offense is not going to play as poorly as it did the first time they played wichita state and if the game you know begins to you know to get to that pace wichita state i think the way they've been playing offensively I think Wichita State can get to 65 points. And I think that's all it will take for them to hit that over. Sixty points maybe even be good enough. So, you know, it will we'll see. Uh it's a game that we've been really excited for. I'm not sure that I think it's like you know, it, it is a really nice barometer game, but it's not it's not anything more than that, right? It, they're they're long, long underdogs. They're getting a chance at the top team in the country. You always want to see how that stacks up. It stacked up really well for them the first time around. Um, So, you know, that's good. We'll have pregame coverage of the Shocker game tonight at 5 o'clock over on KEYN, where you can always hear the Shockers. We, of course, uh, here at our family of networks are the home of Wichita State Athletics. We're really excited about it. Uh, We think it's going to be a blast. And you know, we're going to take our chances. It sounds like, Tommy, you're on board with this too. And I think most people I've talked to in the last 12 hours are, we're going to take our chances and put a little money on the shockers, you know, getting, getting within that margin and getting over the number. I I like both of those bets quite a bit tonight.
1: And you know what? If you want to live dangerously, and I know that a lot of people don't like doing it, I have fun with it. If you want to throw them both in a one game parlay, you can do that. Um, All the, all the books allow you to do that. So if you want to bet both the margin, and the over, you can absolutely do that and I think the sure. odds I looked at it's like plus 240 or plus 250 for Wichita State to get within that spread to cover the spread is 16 and a half and to get the over of what like 133 whatever it is. Um yep. so th- those odds I like them and I like both of those bets. Why not combine them, try to make a little bit more money.
3: I don't know that we have the uh but we do have some player yeah. props here. So let me let's yeah. just look at these player props real quick while we're on it. Jaquan Walton is at 12 and a half. Uh, kind of like that. Probably will take that. Uh, James Rojas is at 10 and a half. Will take that. Craig Porter at 11 and a half. So if you like the Shocker Stars, you're going to have a chance. Now, some of the, you know, some of the players for Houston, Sassers at 19 and a half. I'm not going to take that. But Jamal Sheds at 10 and a half. I might take that. This has same game parlay written all over it. It says I'm a <laughs> we may be It may be a little sad tomorrow if things don't go well, because there there's all kinds of appetizing things in this game for me from a betting perspective. Uh, So we'll get into get into that and let you know how it all goes tomorrow. All right, we'll come back. Let's let's hit on this Chiefs story a little bit. Player report cards. The Chiefs get some bad grades. Let Tommy walk us through that. What do we think about it? What does it mean? Does it mean anything? We'll go over that next on Sports Daily.
0: 75 and 1240 KFH. Celebrate your birthday at Hook and Reel Cajun Seafood Restaurant. Enjoy a free birthday boil, including your choice of seafood and sauce with corn, potatoes, and cheesecake. Get the details and eat for free on your birthday at Hook
1: and Reel at Town East Square, Kellogg and Rock. For the ones finding new ways to ensure
2: the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats, for the ones who are hands-on, even from far away and the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, offering professional-grade industrial supplies plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Need weekend plans? Check out what's happening at your local Lowe's. Weekending at Lowe's gives you and your... You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Modella is your reward. Modella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Alright, welcome back in everybody. Let's start you off here with another giveaway. Uh let's do some hockey and some coffee. Tommy, start with the hockey. What can we hook people up with here?
1: Yeah, tomorrow night interest Bank Arena, the Thunder in action against the Utah Grizzlies at seven oh five. It's our annual Star Wars night. We're gonna give away four tickets to that game. Uh should be fun. I mean we're gonna have if you like Star Wars, you're gonna have people walking around the concourse looking like stormtroopers and, and all of that. So we'll hook you up with four tickets to the game tomorrow night at Interest Bank Arena.
3: Four tickets to Thunder Star Wars Night, and we'll give away a couple of free coffee brew house cards over at HTO East. The brew house has launched. We've got hot and iced coffee offerings. The horchata has been by far the most popular. Go check it out. So a couple of those, a four-pack of hockey tickets. Jad will take that winner during this segment. First caller, 869-1240. All right, Tommy, uh, Chiefs report card, Not not, you know, at the highest standard here. What have we found?
1: Yeah, so this is uh, interesting. So this is the first time this has ever been released. It's from the NFL Players Association. It's the NFL Player Report Card. It's an anonymous survey uh, from players all around the league, um, and, and I think that the the whole purpose in the NFLPA releasing this is they want free agents to know what uh, current players and organizations are saying about their respective teams as these free agents are deciding you know deciding what team they want to want to sign with. Uh, and what's surprising is that even though Kansas City has won two Super Bowls in the last four years and all of this constant on-field success and all of that, they did not rate particularly well in this report card. Now, again, it's an anonymous survey, so we don't know who from the Chiefs organization, what players took part in this survey, uh, but they they received some pretty poor grades as far as food service and nutrition, the weight room, the training room, training staff, locker room, team travel, uh, there were some some pretty negative marks there for Kansas City. And one general feeling among the people that were anonymously polled is that the training facility and the locker room are outdated. And only 60, 56% of respondents uh, say that they feel like uh, the, the Chiefs players that uh, did this survey feel that the chairman and CEO Clark Hunt is willing to invest financially to make necessary upgrades. So I don't really know what we can take away from this, if anything, because it is anonymous, and so we don't know exactly you know, who's saying what they are saying. I don't know if you had to take it with a grain of salt or what the overall thought process is behind this, but it was kind of surprising to me.
3: Yeah, look, it. I guess so, but then we also remember that the Chiefs play in one of the oldest facilities as an arena. I, I think that the Chiefs are probably pretty well aware of this, mm-hmm. And I think that the Chiefs have grand ideas for an entirely new facility somewhere. Um, And if Clark Hunt is smart, you know, you can use this to your advantage big time, right? You see this and you quickly say, boy, if the Chiefs want to continue, we just got to get one of these new stadiums. He's in an interesting position. We've talked about this before, because if the Chiefs want a new stadium, and I think that they really do, it comes with all the new facilities and all these things he's going to get it right because most of the time you've got this unique situation for, for Kansas city sports, right? Because you're on basically the state line and you can claim both Missouri and Kansas. So if, if he wants this, and we've talked about this before, most of the time, you know, these, it's like a power trip that we don't like that all the public dollars have to go to this. And that may be the case on the Missouri side, but for the Kansas side, you do what you can to get the Chiefs to cross the border, right? And and that's going to put the Chiefs in a position of power here. We already got gambling, I think, because it was rumored that the Chiefs might be interested in coming across. But if you you got to do whatever you got to do, because again, I've said this before, the Chiefs would instantly become the state's greatest export, right? NFL football would yeah. become the biggest export in this state uh, outside of the ag community. So. It, you know if you're Clark hunt and you know that you can probably get public dollars because you can have you know the state of Kansas and the state of Missouri basically bid against each other, this is another example of like, look, you know the chiefs are great if we want to keep up with everything, we we got to have new facilities. The reality is that's probably true. whether or not public dollars need to pay for it is another conversation. but this is one of those rare circumstances where for the state of Kansas, I think that there probably would be some benefit to public dollars going toward that. The other thing to keep in mind
1: in this survey is that, yeah, a lot of it is facilities, but not all of it. And so there are some areas that uh, Kansas city did rank as far as the bottom of the league is concerned. Uh, By the way, like a couple other things in here, Kansas city, one of six teams still requiring young players to have roommates when they're on the road and fewer than half of the players believe they have enough space to get comfortable on the team's chartered flights. And then also several players responding to the survey did not have a positive opinion of head athletic trainer Rick Burkholder. Um, so a couple of things that are not really facility related uh, that I don't know if they're things that the the organization is aware of uh, or things that they're actively trying to remedy. I don't really know. The Chiefs declined comment uh, on this. They're not commenting on the, the the survey that came out from the NFLPA. But I, I do agree with you. A lot of this does come down to facilities and uh, what that might look like in the future for Kansas City. Time will tell.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't that's that's interesting because of, you know, the reverence andy reed typically shows rick burgholder and and the organization I, I don't know what to think of that again who's who is being pulled here is it somebody right, that's don't not know. getting the playing time yeah, they need we don't is know. It, you know that's a difficult i'd want to hear from patrick mahomes on that quite frankly or just get a get the or or, or travis kelsey or chris jones right like what's the real deal there uh, maybe that maybe those guys will come out and publicly defend it. I don't know, but we'll see. Interesting, nonetheless. We'll come back. We'll wrap up Sports Daily right after this.